from One World Trade Center in Manhattan, overlooking dozens of golf courses that will never have us as members, this is the Golf Digest Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Golf Digest Podcast. I'm Ryan Harrington, Deputy Editor of GolfDigest.com. On April 14th, Roadside Attractions will release in theaters in the United States the movie Tommy's Honor, a film about old and young Tom Morris, the legendary father-son Scottish duo who changed the face of golf in the late 19th century. The movie is based on Kevin Cook's award-winning book of the same name and tells the story of the Morris' lives, which were filled with drama and personal tragedy. When young Tom's golf success surpasses his father's, his more rebellious personality is exposed as he challenges the beliefs of his family and of the aristocracy. The movie is a golf movie, but it's also a drama and a love story. Shot over 33 days in 50 locations in 2015, the film has already earned various accolades, most notably winning the award for the Best Feature Film from the BAFTA Scotland Academy in 2016. Joining me on today's podcast is the movie's director, Jason Connery. The 54-year-old son of famed actor Sean Connery discusses the challenges of making not just a golf movie, whose genre has had its share of hits and misses, but a golf movie set in the late 19th century. During our discussion, Connery highlights working with Scottish actors Peter Mullen and Jack Loudon, who play old and young Tom Morris respectively, and how they managed to turn back the clock on St. Andrews and the old course, bringing the old gray tune back in time. Jason, thanks so much for joining us on the Golf Digest podcast today. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Lovely to be here. Well, before we talk about the movie, I, I, I'm interested, can you tell me a little bit about your background with golf? Because I think that's going to help lay a foundation here for your involvement in the film and kind of your approach with it. When did you start playing? And, you know, I, I, I've read where you and, and, and your father, Sean Connery, he got you out on the course a little bit when you were a kid. Can, can you talk a little bit about that and, and what golf has kind of meant to you? Absolutely. Um, well, I think uh, probably I was about um, 10 years old uh, and my father took a seven iron and, and cut it. I don't remember that they had kids clubs at that mm-hmm. time, but maybe they did. But I, he cut off the seven iron and I used to wander around hitting the ball. And, uh, and then I caddied for him for a while and I got involved in golf uh, really at that time. But it wasn't until my father started playing in this pro-celebrity golf game, um, and it was every year for 10 days, and very often up in Scotland. In fact, I think almost always up in Scotland at Turnbury or Glen Eagles or even at the old course uh, in St. Andrews. And uh, he lived in Spain at the time, so we played golf there as well. Uh, He now lives in Bahamas, and we played there. Mm -hmm. Uh, My stepmother... And my stepbrother, Stefan, and Michelin, and I would play a lot, and Dad would join us. And, uh, you know, it was uh, one of those things where, you know, um, where my dad was filming, uh, I used to go on sets and things, but I used to spend real quality time with him on the golf course. So it's it, to me, it's, it's always been something, uh, if it's not with my parents, so my father, then with, um, with friends, too, you know, to go away and do... Um, stuff uh with them uh uh is is so much fun so basically um uh yeah i've 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 and i've i've been lucky enough to play um all over the world and um uh you know i have a a cottage uh up in scotland in the borders uh which is about two two hours away from st andrews um and so um 
you know, my my involvement with Scotland and and also with golf has uh, has been, you know, because I started uh, at Perth Rep up in Scotland as an actor, and uh, I went to Gordonstone, which is a boarding school up in the very far north of Scotland. So um, Tommy's honour in that way is uh, the film is very much, uh, you know, sort of feels like uh, a very personal backdrop to me, and also with it being or certainly having uh, golf in it, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, so knowing your connection and interest in the game, how did you get involved specifically with this project, with Tommy's Honor? Well, uh, Jim Kreutzer, who uh, bought the rights to the book, which is called Tommy's Honor, which is written by Kevin Cook, um, uh, called me. Actually, I was in my cottage in Scotland, and, uh, and I'd never met him before, but he said that he had bought the rights to the book, and would I read the book with the consideration of directing it? And so I did, and I, I knew he was an avid golfer, and we talked a little bit about that, having read the book, and I thought the story, and I did know the story of old Tom, I didn't know the story of his son, and I, I, I thought it was the most extraordinary story, and um, but and so multi-layered, um, and I did say to him, you know, if I was to tell this, if you would want me to tell this, then <clears throat> you have to know I... I see it very much as a family drama, love story, tragedy, as opposed to a golf movie. Uh, I think that the golf is obviously the backdrop for the story and is played by people who have a tremendous passion for the game. But um, I think there's so much more to it, and I would like to, uh, to involve all of those multifaceted elements and he was very much up for that and then when I worked with Kevin on the script uh, his wife Pamela was very involved in the dramatic element of the film which uh, you know she's not a golfer so it was uh, it was great to have those two um, you know working with me because uh, you know Kevin would come up with a lot of historical accuracy and uh, and Pamela would be there with the drama so um, we, we worked very closely for considerable time to get the script hopefully in the right place mm-hmm. in terms of the story is that what intrigued you the most i was going to ask just what what intrigued you about this story specifically that made you want to go ahead and do it well i think i think it's again uh, you know i i'd watched a lot of period movies and i'd watched a lot of um golf movies and um a lot of the golf movies are period movies uh, other than tin cup i suppose <laughs> but um and I'm not sure where or when Caddyshack was was, was set, um, but I I I wanted to make the uh, the story. Uh, I I feel like the thing that makes sport incredibly exciting is the fact that it's live, and anything can happen. I mean, you look, I mean, look at the Super Bowl this mm-hmm, year, mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, you know, dramatically, it's wonderfully exciting. But when it's not live, if you retell that same story. Uh, it doesn't have the same impact because, uh, well, for obvious reasons, it's not live as such. So what I wanted to do was I wanted to take the sort of highlights of the golf matches and never have the outcome of the match the most important dramatic element of what's going on in the film so that, yes, you want to know who's going to win and, yes, you can cheer for the, for, for the people that you like, but actually, there's other things going on. Obviously, uh, you know, in the Murray, uh, the, the Musselboro uh, uh, game, there's the big fight in the uh, <clears throat> in the bunker, 
And that was, of course, you know, viscerally, for me, very exciting to have the fact that this is the sort of beginning of the modern game. So uh, the crowd were almost pugilistic and very, very involved in everything that's going on and shouting and drinking and gambling and, and fighting. And uh, and then, you know, uh, in the in the other games, in the game um, uh, in North Berwick, um, of course, an element there is the telegram arriving um, and, uh, and um, you know, Tom making the decision that he did and us understanding that something is going on but not sure what it is until it's revealed. And of course, in the snow game, uh, it was at the very end of the film. So, so there was always dramatic elements going on throughout the game that wasn't just meant that it was only about the outcome of the golf game, and that was very important to me. Um, and also that, that people felt invested in the society of that time and invested in the world that one is presenting. So I shot it, hopefully, very much inviting the audience in as opposed to having them stand back looking at 1866, which I feel sometimes happens with period movies. Prior to working on this, what was your favorite golf movie? Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, years and years ago, when I first started acting, I did a film called Lords of Discipline, which is actually one of my first films, and I had a, a small part in it. Um, <clears throat> and uh, there were a lot of American actors that came over with that film, and one of them was Bill Paxton, uh, who I'm sure you're aware mm -hmm. of, unfortunately passed away very recently, which yeah. was a tremendous shock because I have a number of texts from him saying how excited he is to see Tommy's Honor. Oh, gosh. Um, but I I got on with him very well when we were in um, in Twickenham sh uh, Studios shooting the film, uh, and so I called him because we've stayed in touch when I knew I was going to be making Tommy's Honor because he obviously made the greatest game ever played, mm -hmm. and um, it was very interesting talking to him. He's a lovely man, was a lovely man, um, and. Um, he he. It was interesting because he said to me that it's very important that you tell the human story, um, which I felt anyway. But uh, you know that, um, uh, and that that you know the the the, the human story uh, uh, was was a thing that was going to uh, really get people to to invest in it and in, in, and wouldn't be polarizing because he he always felt that. Golf is quite a polarizing game mm -hmm. in the sense of, uh, you know, there are people who love it and there are people who hate it. Sure. And um, he was just very helpful in the sense that uh, he uh, he talked about the the humanness of 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 the story um, because he did indeed read the script, and um, uh, you know it was just nice to have uh, uh, someone to talk to who obviously was a great actor and. Uh, and I think did a really good job on that film. Uh, it was a different film, but uh, but I thought actually, out of all the golf movies that I've seen, especially the dramatic golf movies that I've seen, I felt like it, it was a good one. So it was interesting to hear his thoughts. I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, Caddyshack, of course, is great fun. And <laughs> I remember when I was at school, it was something that, that we watched, you know, almost weekly, uh, <laughs> just because it was so irreverent and fun. And then, uh, you know... Um, uh, what, oh, now I'm going to forget. What was the one with Kevin Costner? Uh, Tin Cup. Uh, Tin Cup. Tin Cup, again, fun, fun movie. Sure. Um, I, I always feel that when the movie gets overly esoteric, uh, that it gets into a, an area where it's difficult for 
an audience who don't play, mm-hmm. and even difficult for an audience that do play, um, because it, it, it's difficult for it for it to to appeal in a in a in a, in in, in, a, in a universal way. Is that do you think the the one issue that perhaps golf movies ha- have had overall uh, you know it, it's probably stereotyping but i think the genre of golf movies seems to have quite honestly a spotty track record some of the comedies have been really funny but uh, but in terms of really you know holding the, uh, a broader attention it, it, they just haven't done quite as well do you think that's because perhaps if you focus too much on the game itself perhaps it's limiting or uh, why why do you think that might be the case well, I think it's a combination. I think it's a combination of one. I think that, as I said uh, before, I think that the, the whole idea of sport and, and the drama of sport is, and I don't think this is just in golf. I think this is sort of universal sport movies. Um, if you you take something like Remember the Titans, uh, you know, uh, the, that was an enormously successful film. Uh, certainly there was American football in it, but it was more about the relationship between uh, the people in the team together, mm-hmm. um, and and I feel like and and same thing with Hoosiers, uh, you know, basketball movie, but but really it was about a man and and his determination and 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 what he'd been through and and his relationship with the people around him in a small town. So, you know, <clears throat> again, I think uh, I think if if you concentrate too much on the physical game and you make that the dramatic driving force, I think you're in danger of. Of, of polarizing people, but also not being particularly exciting because, unfortunately, if if something is reenacted, it's not live uh, by definition. Um, and then the other thing is that I feel that um, that there's this idea of 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 that these people somehow were either uh, uh, morally uncorruptible and that they lived in in almost a different they breathed different air that they were you know sort of myth, myth, mythological in a way and and i again i think that it it's very difficult for you to as an audience to really uh, uh immerse yourself in 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 something that feels as though it's sort of unattainable almost mm-hmm. you know and i i i fought very hard in tommy's honor not to make these people see themselves as anything other than people doing what they love to do and had a passion for and had no sense of, you know, like I didn't, it's that weird thing of like, um, it's not how they're seen by us. It's, it's how they see themselves. Mm -hmm. So, so because as soon as you look at them in a reverential way, I think they become less, um, less attainable or less, less connectable to if you know what i mean and i and i think that 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 is the problem with with some golf movies is that it's as though these people are so uh you know so morally uncorruptible (laughs) and so uh, that they almost have uh, an ability that is beyond what is human you know and I, i i i feel like that ostracizes them from an audience. Mm-hmm. When you talk to directors or producers, you often hear that the the biggest challenge of of making a, a a golf movie, and I know this is more than just a golf movie, but but it also has the same challenge is making it look and feel authentic. And and you know those many of those films, like you said, are period pieces. Yours in the nineteenth century, uh, trying to get that feel and whatnot. 
how do you then go about trying to address that? What did you guys do to try to make it have that authentic feel from the 19th century to try to bring you back into that era? Well, um, there's there's a number of different elements to that. I mean, first of all, there's the actual golfing, physical golfing. Uh, neither Peter Mullen, who plays Tom, or Jack Loudon, who plays Tommy, had ever played golf before. And initially, I thought that would be a problem. Mm-hmm. But actually, it turned out to be a blessing because huh. the modern swing is so drastically different to the swing of the time. I mean, obviously, there's no film footage of the swing of the time, but there's lots of photographs. In fact, St. Andrews was enormously well photographed and documented, which was very helpful to us. And we were able to see that uh, Tommy had a swing where he lifted his left knee very early and he swung almost right round himself a bit like john daly does but with no width at all a very very what they call narrow swing just need to do that because of the the equipment of the air correct yes i mean basically because of the the weight of the head of the club and also the the hickory shaft so they had a very different type of swing and i think that you know it's very dangerous because modern golfers look at it and go well that doesn't look like my swing <laughs> you know they, they obviously don't know how to play um but we wanted to and the actors worked with a guy called jim farmer who's the honorary um the honorary professional at the royal and ancient at, at the old jim farmer uh, practice over and over and over we had videos sent with uh, how they were doing every week as they were practicing. So yes, as far as the physical look of the film, obviously uh, we had great makeup uh, artists um, doing hair um, and you know, with beards and wigs and um, um, and also the, the costumes, uh, which of course set up the whole uh, visual uh, feast of that time. Um, and a lot of research was done uh, for all of that. Um, it was interesting because when I first started uh, the idea of <clears throat> of the golf, I thought, well, I'll, I'll, I'll be filming uh, possibly at the old course mm-hmm. in the RNA. And then the realization was that the, 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 the course, the building looks very different, the Royal and Ancient Building, but also the courses were so uh, beautifully manicured. And at the <laughs> time, 1866, uh, basically they cut the greens using sheep so um, a lot different feel, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very different feel. So, so what we actually did was we went to uh, into Fife and we found a field which had been designated to be made into a links course, but it had never happened. And it had a very interesting um, uh, visual. I mean, it was very like the visual eighteenth um, and uh, tee off area, um, indeed in in St Andrews. The big open space um, like that, yeah. And so we, and, and the sea right there. Mm-hmm. And so we, we built um, a life-size half replica of the Royal and Ancient Building using the uh, uh, the architect design from the original building, mm. uh, which the RNA very kindly gave to us. And uh, we built the 18th green and also the tee-off area um, and with the sea there, and also uh, Swilken Burn and the bridge. Uh, ironically, actually, when we were talking about building it and they were moving um, <clears throat> all of the earth to create the mound that the building sits on, we built half the building and the other half was digital. Huh. And the street that runs along the side of it was also digital, um, which is called Links Road. Yeah. Uh, two huge uh, movable oil rigs decided to turn up to get <laughs> maintenance. 
so the whole time we were filming we had to uh we had to pretend they weren't there and then digitally remove them once we put the film mm-hmm. together um but that was how we created that and then uh we searched all over uh um the area to find uh we we actually shot the entire film in 33 days and we had 50 locations wow. and we had 39 trucks so we were moving around quite a lot uh there's some beautiful uh, houses up in scotland and some fun, fantastic uh courses and things and we were very lucky that the the courses that we asked to to work on um uh you know i would say can you not cut the grass for two weeks and i would use the the rough as the fairway and the fairway is the green huh. and uh, that's how we created the look in essence how much shooting then was done in St. Andrews? Obviously, like you said, you know, using the, the famed clubhouse today probably wasn't really realistic because it's different than it was back then. And, and, and obviously logistics of trying to shoot there is probably difficult. But, but the town itself, were you able to shoot very much there for any you know, secondary footage or whatnot? Well, uh, yes, we, 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 we shot in the cemetery and the pullback at the end of the film is actually a shot of the cemetery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually, the beginning of the film, as you come round, is the side of of St Andrews, uh, going past the uh, a monument there, uh, and and the side of a castle. Um, and um, uh, we also shot at the harbour. That was the real harbour that they arrived at uh, in the boat. Um, but mostly, we shot in a small town that's very close to St Andrews, mm-hmm. which is quite similar, um, called Falkland, um, and. Uh, that was um, that was because basically St Andrews in the summer when we were shooting is uh, inundated with people, but sure. also with uh, with students at the university there, and so it would have been very very difficult. Um, and to tell you the truth, uh, there's a lot of modern sort of elements to it, and Falkland was much less uh, developed in that way, so it worked very well for us. What happened then to the part of the replica of the RNA clubhouse and or the Swilkin Bridge uh, after you were done filming everything? Well, it's quite funny because I was getting very nervous about finding this uh, this field because uh, it's called Balcaris Estate, but um, it's not. It, it is on a map, but it's difficult to find. And also, um, a, you know, you, you never know whether it will actually work because we did drive to very, you know, a lot of different locations to find it. When we did find it, it was quite funny because we arrived and it was covered in cows and also cow pats. <laughs> uh, and uh, so you sort of tiptoed your way through it. But I got very excited because I knew it had p- potential to, to, to happen. But then the whole idea was, well, we have to uh, create a green and we have to create a big mound and grow grass or certainly lay grass on it So because the... RNA sits on a little bit of a hillock, um, and so once all of those logistics uh, were, were ironed out, um, it, it then started to to come to come right, and, and and of course it's very exciting when that happens, um, and it's quite a surreal moment when you drive down and there's half a building standing there, uh, and uh, all these people in the field, um, and then you create you know the day shoot, um, and then you've got to create it again and cover it in snow. Uh, which was in fact f- fake snow uh, mm-hmm. by a company called Snow Business, um, and then of course you 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 then have to leave the field as you found it. So it was all dismantled and taken away, and the and the Swilkenburn was filled in, and the bridge was taken away, 
um, and you leave it hopefully as you found it. And so it's probably now covered in cows again. <laughs> um, so when exactly did the principal filming of the movie go on? Because I know it, it had been released uh, last year in, in, uh, over in Scotland, and, and I know it's received a few awards already before it obviously comes over here for release in the United States. When exactly was the filming done, and then uh, what had to happen afterwards to get this ready to, to be uh, released to the public? Well, the film, uh, we finished shooting uh, uh, the summer before last, so 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we shot through the summer, and then um, there's the post process, which takes a certain amount of time. Uh, you know, I think actually we uh, uh, I we finished late summer, and then um, the editor got into doing a rough cut of it, and then uh, I was editing it for a while. Then we went for a Christmas break, and then um, you know basically. Uh, January, February, March, and then we were, uh, you know, the film was was edited and then we needed to do all of the post sound and visual effects and uh, audio and and everything and and then the final mix. So uh, it was last summer that it was completely finished and then the film, uh, it hasn't actually been released, but it came out, it opened the Edinburgh Film Festival, uh, which was wonderful. And uh, a really uh, fantastic uh, uh, event for it to, to 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 sort of be seen for the first time by the public. And then at that time, it was also um, nominated. Jack Loudon was nominated for Best Actor. Ironically, Peter Mullen was uh, nominated for Best Actor in a different film. <laughs> and he ended and he ended up winning it in oh a gosh. film called Hector. And then we were also nominated for Best Film, which we won. Uh, which was a, a great night, and um, I think wonderful for everybody who'd worked on the film, and also for myself, um, a very emotional night um, because it had been quite a long journey. And uh, and then I've travelled with it to various uh, festivals, which quite often happens with independent films, where you take it. You know, I've taken it to uh, to D9 France and uh, to Haifa in Israel, and to uh, it's been to Sydney. Uh, uh, to a festival out there, um, and uh, uh, and also to uh, uh, Palm Springs, actually. But the first time it's actually going to be released, as far as to a country, will be here uh, on the 14th of April. So um, really, really excited about that. And um, there's going to be a premiere in New York and a premiere in Chicago. And uh, and then yes, on the fourteenth of April, uh, that'll be it, on its way. <laughs> what is that like for you then? Because obviously you've put so much effort into it over these years and, and gotten, uh, like I said, uh, nice reviews. Obviously, winning the award and over in uh, Scotland has been fantastic for you. Uh, but in terms of uh, waiting and anticipation for the public to really see it, what's that like for you as a director? Well, it's an interesting thing. I mean, it, you know, I. I, uh, I now, for me, I, I've sort of done everything that I can. Uh, you know, I um, I feel that um, that I, I I gave it you know my all, so to speak. And now it's really for for people to to see it. And I and I, you know, I'm letting it go. Um, <laughs> and um, you know, I know that uh, it's it's coming out in Canada and Australia and in England and and various other places. So it, it really will a bit like a child. Uh, you know, uh, who's left home, you know, um, it's that thing of, 
of uh, of just seeing uh, how how it does. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, as I say, there's I'm very very happy to promote it and to send it on its way. But it's like, um, yeah, it's uh, it's just letting it go. So uh, and now, of course, I'm I'm starting to uh, develop other things. Uh, sure. And, uh, and and think about those. What would you like the audience to come away from after they've seen Tommy's Honor? Um, well, the wonderful thing about um, telling a story is that everybody has a different perspective because of their experiences in their life. So many people come away with different things. Um, obviously, people who are very involved in golf will come away perhaps with 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 thoughts about that and um but i feel that it has many layers the film and um hopefully those layers will speak to to, to different people um and that they will come away from it feeling as though uh they've had an insight into um a world and also um a family's life in that world and their contribution to uh, a, a specific um, game, but also um, to the world as a whole. And uh, I mean, I think that you know the the interesting thing about stories, uh, historical stories in that way, is that really the people involved in them had no sense of their own legacy. So I don't think that they, when living their life, were ever envisaging it being retold, you know, a hundred and something <laughs> years later. Um, so I, I hope that um, people coming out will have experienced something of their life and uh, and and uh, be moved and, and invested in it. Well, Jason, I appreciate you taking some time to talk to us about the film uh, Tommy's Honor. We're looking forward to the release here next month. Uh, best of luck to you, and, and, and uh, I hope, uh, obviously, the reception that you got in, in the film festivals continues on to uh, the wider audience here. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's lovely. Take care. Thanks again to Jason for joining us on the Golf Digest podcast, and thank you all for listening to our conversation. If you haven't already done so, please take a minute to subscribe to the Golf Digest podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play. And while you're doing that, please rate and review the podcast. Those contributions help us get the podcast out to a wider audience. If you've already done that, thanks so much for assisting us with it. Please tune in again next week as we bring you what we hope will be a series of podcasts from Augusta, Georgia, as we prepare for the first men's major 2017 and the Masters. Until then, thanks for listening.